Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. My name is Tyson. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm glad that you are here tonight. Whether it's your first time with us, or you're here every week, or it's first time in a long time, I think you picked a great place to be on a Saturday night. I think you picked a great church to be a part of tonight. And we have been in this series, as Ronnie mentioned, and as you saw in the video, called Lion Chaser. And you might, what is that about? This is one of the... It's, uh, it's from a story in 2 Samuel that I'm going to read in just a moment. Is where we get kind of our inspiration behind uh, chasing the lion. Um, and I was so excited about the series because there's this verse and then also this book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day uh, that we drew a lot of inspiration out of for this series. And I read this book a couple years ago and it was really challenging to me. And so um, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, you're gonna, don't worry. Uh, you're going to get kind of a crash course in the last three weeks, and uh, I believe you are going to enjoy it. I believe God has something He wants to do with each and every one of us tonight. Um, so 2 Samuel 23, verse 20, says, Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Um, that's not probably what I would do if I saw a lion. That's kind of counterintuitive to go chase a lion down. And the minute I hear that story, I'm intrigued by that, right? Like, that's interesting. Like, I want to know more. Like, how big was the lion? Did, like, did he have any weapons? Like, did anyone catch this on film? Like, how, how, how did this happen? Like, I, I'm curious about the story. And it doesn't say much. He's just, like, almost like it's no big deal. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. You know you're a pretty bad dude when they talk about you and they just mention that in passing. Like, oh yeah, he killed a lion one day in the pit. No big deal. Um, Benaiah goes on and he becomes one of David's uh, mighty men, the head of his bodyguard. Um, and, you know, this story to me is intriguing. You know what story would not intrigue me? is one day Benaiah went to the zoo, saw a lion, bought an overpriced souvenir cup, and went home. I don't care about that story. I don't care if Benaiah went to the zoo. But he, tell me he you know, climbed into the cage with the lion. Now, I am curious about that. Um, and I'm going to read this verse. That is, it's one of those verses in Proverbs that kind of makes me laugh. It says, Proverbs 22, 13. It says, the lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. And, and I love that because it doesn't even say that like, maybe there really is a lion. It's just like, there might be a lion. There's a high possibility and I might be killed. So I'm going to stay home and watch some more Netflix. Um, that's, um, that verse always kind of makes me laugh. And um, You know, what intrigues us about great stories and great characters like Benaiah or any, you think of your favorite movie or uh, your favorite book. What do we like in stories? Risk, action, and conflict. What do we not like in our lives? Risk, action, and conflict. I'm not a fan of any of those things. Um, Yet they're the things that make great stories. And there's a question, as I was reading In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, Batterson asked this question. He says, are you living your life in a way that is worth telling stories about? And I found that such a convicting question. And James 1, 22 uh, 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. As I was preparing for tonight, I thought what a tragedy it would be for us as a church to hear about chasing a lion for four weeks and not go chase any. We need to be tours. We need to take action. We don't want to just talk about it. We don't want to just look at lions. We want to go chase them. And a lion, if we're talking about it, could be a dream or something that God has laid on your heart that you feel you need to pursue. It could be a fear that you need to face. It could be a relationship you need to mend. We all have different lions, yet God wants us to chase after those things. We want to live lives in a way that's worth telling stories about. But you know, when I say that, because I, I'm not a fan like of like the cheesy like motivational posts on Facebook. Well, actually, I like a lot of them. But like, you ever read some of them? They're like, that's just dumb advice. Like, that sounds nice, but it really doesn't mean anything. And so I'm always kind of um, maybe I'm a little cynical. I don't know, but I hear you know, live a life <laughs> worth telling stories about. There's a part of me that's like, what does that even really mean? Like. What, what does that mean? How does that affect us? And I think it is important uh, for us to define that a little bit because I think sometimes the way we think of a dramatic story we're telling about might not be the same as maybe the life that God really has for us. And it might be actually something much better but that we might not see. And so I think there's two elements of a life we're telling stories about. And the first one is that that story has eternal perspective. That our lives become worth telling stories about when we connect our story with God's story. Because that's, that's the most amazing thing, right? It's not that our life has to be filled with dramatic exploits and all of these different things, but when our story, however common it might seem, connects with this grand story of God's redemption, it becomes something incredible. That is a story worth telling about. Maybe not in the eyes of the world, but it's, we're part of the greatest story. Um, there's a verse in First Peter um, I find so fascinating. In verse 10 it says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, and the things that have now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Look. You guys catch that last part? Which angels long look concerning this salvation. They're saying God's plan of redemption, his story, what he's doing. When we become believers in Jesus, it's the type of stuff that angels are talking about around the water cooler. And be like, I just, I can't believe like what God is doing with uh, this, this Tyson guy. He's really weird, but for some reason God still loves him. And that's the type of stuff that angels are longing to look in. First Peter 2 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then 2 Corinthians 5.20 talks about how we are ambassadors of God's story of redemption and reconciliation. The second element of I think of a story not worth telling is it's not just about what we do, but it's about who we are. Because a lot of times that's the greatest part of the story, right? God, we go to chase after a lion, and so oftentimes it ends up being more about a change God wants to do in our heart. And so often the greatest story is not what we've done, but it's 
who we used to be and who we are now and the change that God has worked in our hearts. So we want to live lives worth telling stories about that we can tell our grandkids, but we want to be able to tell those stories from an eternal perspective of Jesus and his change in our lives and how he's changed us as people. Um, 1 Samuel 16, 7 reminds me of just this importance of the heart. Samuel goes, he's looking to anoint the next king of Israel. And he thinks it's going to be David's brother because he's tall and handsome and he works out and he does CrossFit and he's vegan and he's amazing. Um, but in David, he's not even there. He's like out with the sheep. Um, but God speaks to Samuel and says, Do not look at on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as men see. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Sometimes the most dramatic story in our lives is what God is doing in our heart. So how do we unleash the lion chaser? Because that's what we call, and that's what the title is for this week, unleashing the lion chaser, taking action, going after. And that's the first thing, is we need to embrace divine risk. I didn't say we just embrace risk, because risk for risk's sake is foolishness, but risk for Christ's sake is wisdom. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, is by a guy named uh, Jim Elliott, who gave his life uh, for the gospel. He was a missionary. Uh, and uh, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he could never lose. And so often times in life, we try to hang on to the things that we can't take with us. And we lose that eternal perspective. And so risk for Rick's sake is also oftentimes just a distraction from the things we're really scared of. Um, I'm out with my wife on my birthday. We went to uh, El Tequila. We were there again today, and I'm starting to get a little freaked out. I think we need to go there less because I'm starting to recognize us and know our orders, and I think that's a bad sign. But anyways, um, we were there on my birthday a couple weeks ago, and it's one of those rare moments where there's no kids and we can actually talk, and it's not like, stop, spilling the sauce on the floor. Um, and so we're talking, and, uh, and we're talking about this series and chasing a lion, and, you know, we, we've had... My wife and I, we, we've, chased, we've chased some lions, and we're talking about some of the things. And we moved across the country from Minnesota to Tulsa just because we felt like God was telling us to. We didn't really have a plan. Um, I started a business with a paintbrush, no money, and a bad idea. You think that's a joke, but I am being totally serious. Um, uh, we, we've chased some lions. We've done some scary stuff. Yet she was talking, and she's like, you know, all the things we've done, all the lions we've chased, I still don't know. There's things in my heart that sometimes maybe I feel it's actually distracting me. There's lines I need to chase uh, that are internal. And I, I, was, I was so uh, proud of my wife and her discernment in that because it is true. Sometimes all the things going on, sometimes all the things we're doing, sometimes they're just distracting us from the thing we really need to deal with. The line we really need to chase might be something more internal. Um, Second, if we're going to unleash the lion chaser, we've got to identify um, the lion. Uh, we've been going through um, this book that I was talking about earlier by Mark Batterson with the youth group. I, I get the honor of uh, leading and serving our teens, and we've been going through it once and I was talking about it. And um, uh, the kids were asking me, so Tyson, like, what's your lion? And, uh, and I kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit and then started talking, and then I realized, uh, for me, I'm like, you know, actually, I've got... So, so this is me. This is the big, bold lion chaser I am. Um, I enjoy writing. Uh, it's something I, I like to do, and so I, I, have, I have a blog that I want to put stuff out on because just for me, it's a good outlet, and I feel like it's something that I really like to do and that God wants me to do. I've had an under-construction sign-up on that site for like three months, and I sit down to write. I don't really write. What I do is I just tinker on my website. 
And no one can even see that, right? Like, you can't even see what I'm doing. Like, that's how big and bold of a line chaser I am, sitting down to write. And I confessed this to our youth group, and I felt very challenged uh, and convicted. And what happened there is I identified my line, right? And we need to identify our line. We've got to embrace divine risk, not just risk, divine risk. We've got to identify our line. Our line might be a dream or idea that we know we need to pursue. Some of you might be a relationship uh, that you need to mend. For some of you, it might be your past, things that you've done or that others have done and said. It might be an addiction you know you need to get real about. It might be a decision you've been standing at a crossroad, you're paralyzed. Your line is just deciding. It might be your marriage. It might be your children. I know they seem like lions some days when they destroy the house. Um, it might be disappointment or discouragement. It might be something creative or interesting about you that you're hiding and that you need to bring to light. But the third thing we need to do if we're going to be lion chasers, and this is, this, is where, this is where it gets real. This is where it gets real. We've got to step into the pit. I like that Benaiah fought this lion in a pit because there's, no, there's really only one way out of there. You are either going to get killed or you're going to kill the lion. He, that, now, what I would call that is that's the definition of commitment. He is fully committed. Like, he's not standing like, eh, maybe, you know. Like, you know, he is in the pit. There is, he is fully committed. And if we're going to chase him lines, we've got to identify him, and then we've got to fully commit. I'm going to read this from Luke 9. This is one of the many crazy, super challenging things that Jesus said. Um, and they're walking down the road, and a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. If I'm walking with Jesus, if I'm like his PR guy, I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Let's back that up. What he meant to say, I'm so sorry. He thinks he's the Son of God. Um, Um... you know, we, we got to rephrase that. That was very insensitive. That was not PC. Bury your own dead. What is wrong with you? Um, but Jesus didn't mince words. Because Jesus knows you can't kind of commit to him. You can't kind of follow him. And if you're going to chase some lions, you've got to step into the pit. And I believe we can bury our excuses or we can bury our dreams. Mark Batterson says, More often than not, the only thing between you and your dream is a rational excuse. That's like the person looks outside and says, there might be a lion out there. I might get killed. I'm going to call him. Um, so that sounds fairly easy, right? Embrace divine risk, identify the lion, step into the pit. Three steps, boom, we're good, right? We're like, no, no, this is like really hard. Like, you don't know what my line is. Like, is that really what you're telling me? You know, just, just do it. Is this the Nike sermon? Um... I know it's not easy, and so I I want to give us four encouragements in chasing our lions. The first one is that God is bigger than your lion. He is. God is bigger than your lion. And you need to put your lion in perspective. And one way we do that is through worship. Um, I love this quote. It says, I think there are basically two types of people in the world, complainers and worshipers. And there isn't much circumstantial difference between the two. Complainers will always find something to complain about. Worshippers will always find something to praise God about. They simply have different default settings. What's your default setting? That's a tough question. 
I think we're all maybe a little stuck on the complaining side, right? But when we worship, when we change our default setting, even though our circumstances don't change, our perspective does. Our lines get smaller. God gets put into his right place. And this next quote is another one I just love. Like, I want to tattoo this on my arm or something. It's awesome. I wish I talked like this. I wish we still talked like this. This is from a guy named G.K. Chesterton. He says, how much happier you would be How much more of you there would be if the hammer of a higher God could smash your small cosmos. I just love that. It's so dramatic. God just smashed your little universe with how big he is. And how much happier we would be. How much that would set us free. And that's what happens when we worship. When we put God in the right perspective, it sets us free. It's our lines in its place. My second encouragement is that we need to, and this goes with worship so well, we need to embrace the wonder. Like, a, like, like kids. I, I love watching my kids. They're so easily fascinated, um, easily amused. Um, and Ronnie's mentioned in the series before that, you know, we, we learn our fears. We learn what we're afraid of. We're not born with all the fears that we now have. And so we have to unlearn our fears. And we need to be childlike, but not childish, right? We need to have the wonder and the, the awe of a child, that type of simple trust, um, Matthew 18, verses 2 for 4. Um, Jesus called the little child to him. Jesus loved kids. And, and, and I love all the stories in the Bible with Jesus with kids. And he put the child among him, and then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes hu- as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is always flipping the script, always changing it up. We, we want to be less like kids, right? We want to show how big and adult we are and how grown up we are and how together we have it. And yet, Jesus is saying, unless you humble yourself like a little child, unless you see the world like a child, you're not going to get the kingdom of heaven. I'm, uh, hang, I've got two daughters. Cadence is four and my little Selah is two. And um, uh, I'm in my office and you can like, turn the lights off and use a flashlight on your phone and do like shadow puppets on the wall, you know? Make it look like it's a dragon or something. And like, I'm trying to attack Sayla and then like, Cadence is like trying to protect, protect her sister. And she jumps in there and she's like, I'll stop you with my brave. And that's what she says. I'll stop you with my brave. And, and when she did that, it's like, it was like a Holy Spirit moment for me. I'm like, I love that. I love that childlike attitude of just, hey, my brave's enough. I got this. And I think a lot of us, our brave has gotten broken, right? We don't think our brave is enough. But why can we be brave? We were just singing it. You make me brave. Time with Jesus is what makes us brave. You know, they talked about the disciples and said, I can tell you are uneducated men. Kind of a backhanded compliment, right? But by your boldness, we can tell you've been with Jesus. When we hang out with Jesus, we become more like him. And our brave starts to work again. And the next encouragement to you to chase the lion. I mainly put this point in here just to annoy all the grammar nerds in the crowd. <laughs> Says, you can't never, and which is my wife, so um, she'll uh, tell me about this later. You can't never always sometimes tell. It don't make any sense, right? But what I mean by that is you can't always tell what's going to happen when you chase the lion When you go after what God is calling you to do or when you face something scary, you don't always know how it's going to turn out. But a lot of times you know what happens if you stay, right? And you can't always, you can't never always sometimes tell. 
who knows what is on the other side of our line. I'm at the post office a couple years ago. And I'm about to leave the post office. I'm getting in my vehicle. A lady starts walking towards me. I can tell she's kind of trying to get my attention that she wants to talk to me. I tell she seems maybe a little nervous about talking to me. And I'm always like a little apprehensive when you're about to talk to a stranger, right? It's like, okay, where is this going, you know? And she's like, I know you might think this is a little weird, um, but I just, I just felt like God gave me a word for you when I saw you in the post office. And I just, I just wanted to encourage you. And she spoke this word of encouragement to me. And... Uh, um, I thanked her for it, and she prayed with me, and I kind of just drove away, and I thought, oh, that was pretty cool, you know, that was pretty cool. You know how many times in moments of discouragement God has brought back that lady at the post office to my mind and used it to encourage me? That lady had no idea the impact she was going to have over the next couple of years. She didn't know what I was going through. She didn't know the challenges I was facing, and I know that it was uncomfortable and scary for her to approach a random stranger and say, hey, God's got something that he you know, wants to say. Like That's an awkward thing to say. She couldn't have known that, and we don't always know what's on the other side. You can't never always sometimes tell, so don't sit back in what you know well, maybe God wants to do something incredible through you. My last encouragement, and, and um, this, is, this is the most important one to me. Um, you don't have to chase lions alone. I believe fear fears community. And I believe that's why being a part of this a church is important. I believe uh, this church is, is full of lion chasers that are going to chase a lion with you, alongside of you. And we, we need people around this, around us. A, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We need community. And I am, I'm the son of a pretty much 100% German father. Uh, and if you know anything about German heritage or work ethic, one word we don't use is, I need help. Like that's, that's not in the vocabulary. I don't think they have a word for that in German, possibly, and that's how this problem has been accentuated over generations. Um, I know, because my business partner, John, who is laughing here in the front row, is also, his, it's so weird, we talk about our dads like the same guy, even though they haven't met each other. They're supposed to have like that same German work ethic and outlook on the world. Um, and so... Me asking for help, it's not a natural thing for me. It's definitely a learned skill. But, you know, I've, I've had to learn the immense value of it. Uh, one thing I did for me is I just set up a, like a little Facebook group with just a couple of my closest, uh, closest guy friends and just said, hey, I'm just going to be real with you guys about what's going on. I'm asking you to pray for me. I'm asking you to encourage me. A couple weeks ago, uh, just woke up with like, felt like the world was on my shoulders. Like, just, you ever have a morning, just like, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm just, I'm done. I'm just going to go back to bed. Probably better. It was one of those types of mornings. I'm trying to read my Bible, trying to pray. Just feel like I can't even do that. I sent out a message to those guys, told them what was going on. Right away, they're commenting back, saying they're praying for me. I start praying, and it was like something broke. And there's something that sets us free when we have people around us, when we, when we share what we're going through, when we ask for help. God can do incredible things, and we need community. You don't have to chase lions alone. That's why I'm so pumped about this next month, um, us going through a series on uh, relationships. And uh, if you're not married, don't stay away um, because you think it's all going to be about marriage. It's, gonna, it's going to be applicable to all your relationships. And I believe that life is relationships and the rest of those details. And you've got to have people around you. So to me, 
I think it's perfect that we tied these two series together because if you're going to chase some lines, you need some people around you. So uh, I just see it as a continuation of, of what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. Um, I'm about to close, and as I was thinking about how we need to, um, how do we respond? How do we respond to chasing the line? How do we go after it? And I wrote down three things, or it's kind of four. Um, pray, dream, work, repeat. Pray, dream, work, repeat. We need to pray like it all depends on God. And we need to let that dreaming part come out of those prayers. Because sometimes when we dream apart from prayer, we dream really small. And we dream just about us. But when we pray and we bring God into the equation, He starts to put our focus on others. He starts to expand our dreams. And we have to, we have to work. We have to go out. We have to be doers. But then the hard part is the, the fourth part, right? Repeat. Pray, dream, Work, repeat. Pray, dream, work, repeat. I'm not going to start changing it and make you feel awkward, uh, although we can maybe leave it that way. Um, um, but that repeat part uh, can be hard. Because I, what I would love to tell you is that all you have to do is identify one line in your life, and you're going to go after that line, and you're going to kill that line in the pit, and you're going to be like Benaiah, and then after that, the only thing that's going to come across your path is like house cats. And it's just going to be super easy. That's not how life works. That hasn't been my experience. My experience is you chase one line, and the next one is usually bigger than the last one. Um, and God has to grow you and stretch you. And sometimes that can almost be discouraging. The repeat part of that can be hard. But sometimes we need to just go one more, right? You're working out, you're working out in the gym, you've got a workout partner, and they can tell you, go one more. Go one more. Do one more rep. Do one. Just do it one more time. Because that's oftentimes where we get our breakthrough. Um, and uh, in John, at the end of John, after Jesus says, raised from the dead, um, his disciples, and, I, and I'm trying to process what it was like for these guys, right? They followed Jesus around for three and a half years. They think he's the Messiah. They're seeing him as this political leader who's going to rise up, restore Israel to where it's been. Then he dies. Then he's resurrected. Then they see him raised from the dead. And they're just trying to process all of this. And there's this interesting story at the end of John where Peter says, I'm going fishing. And he was a fisherman by trade. And I think he's just like, I don't know what the last three and a half years were about. I am weirded out. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm just, I know how to fish. Let's, let's just go fishing. Like, that would be good, right? So he gets the buddies together. All the disciples, they go back fishing. They go back to what they know. And they're out fishing. And Jesus calls to them from the shore. And, and the, they don't catch anything out there. And Jesus calls to them from the shore. And they don't recognize him as Jesus. I don't know if it's just that he was so far away. I don't know if he looked different. But they don't recognize him. And Jesus says, throw your nets over onto the other side. And this had happened before. Early on, when Jesus first called them, they had a similar thing. They didn't catch anything. And Jesus tells them, cast your nets on the other side. And they caught a ton of fish. And I'm sure at that time, the first time that happened, they were pretty tempted to be like, look, I'm a fisherman. And there's no difference between this side of the boat and that side of the boat. Same water, same fish. You're not a fisherman. Quit trying to tell me what to do. Weird guy on the beach. Um... 
But they cast over the net to the other side and they immediately started catching more fish and immediately John says, it's, it's Jesus, it's the Lord. Peter doesn't waste any time because he never wastes any time in anything. He puts his robe on, he jumps in, he just starts swimming with Jesus. And I think in that moment, I, I just got to think that something kind of clicked. They've been wondering what this is all about. Jesus comes, he ties back to this earlier moment of something they'd done before. And they realize, oh, Remember, Jesus talked about we'd be fishers of men. We're not just going to go back to the way our lives were before. I don't know what's all going on the last several years. I don't know what just happened. But I'm going to keep following this guy, Jesus. I'm going to keep following him. And ultimately, I believe, we've been talking about chasing lions, but really, what the series is about, plot twist, really about chasing Jesus. The thing about Jesus, he's always running towards danger. But he's not afraid of it. Jesus ran towards the cross for us. Because he wasn't trying to save himself. He was trying to save you. He put himself in a defensive situation for us. And we're going to, uh, we're going to close our series. Our, 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 uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes words are hard. Um, we're going to close our service tonight with a chance to respond with communion and with prayer. And um, before, we, uh, before we do that, I just, I'd like us to all just close our eyes for a moment. Because I'd really like this time to be a time between you and Jesus. Um, and I'd like you to um, think about where you're at. We just talked about those disciples. They're on the boat. They're trying to process what this Jesus guy is all about. And yet when Peter realizes who it is, he, he leaps out of the boat and he goes to Jesus. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're kind of in the boat about this Jesus guy. Uh, maybe you know, you, if I'm, we're talking about some lions tonight. You know what your lion is. You know you need to chase it. And you don't have to chase it alone. You have people around you. God is with us. And so if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never made that decision, we want to make that available for you tonight. Because I believe it's the best decision you could ever make. And if that's you, um, and you want to decide to follow Jesus tonight, I just ask you right now, raise your hand, and we'll pray. We'll pray a prayer together. I think there's a response for all of us though. I believe I'm probably speaking to a room tonight where we are believers, where we've jumped out of that boat and followed Jesus. And so I'm thinking a lot of us are probably having a harder time with the repeat part. We've chased some dreams, we've pursued some things that God has told us to do. It hasn't always worked out like we thought it would. Maybe we're fighting some discouragement. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to know God is with you. You're not done. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.